0: Chapter four of Paul A Herald of the Cross This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Paul A Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter four Three Princes and a Slave Fetch more Falonyan slave. "'Tis too seldom that I sup with thee "'for sole company, my princess. "'I will drink to thee who art to be queen. "'Aye, look not startled, sweet one. "'The gods have willed it.' "'The princess Cyprus lifted her dark eyes "'to the handsome flushed face of her husband. "'Then she glanced apprehensively "'at the attendant slaves. "'It pleases thee to jest, my lord,' "'she said in clear low tones.' "'It also pleaseth me to listen. "'Hast thou been with the emperor to-day?' "'Nay, beloved,' said Agrippa, "'lying back upon his purple cushions "'and regarding with half-closed eyes "'the delicately wrought cup of gold "'which he held betwixt his fingers. "'Nay, I have been in better company. "'Truth to tell, princess, "'I find but sorry cheer with our emperor of late.' He lieth all day on his couch, a huge bloated mass, but half alive and unpleasant to look upon, as if he were already dead. Thou art again jesting, Prince Agrippa, said the lady, a shade of sternness in her voice. The countenance of the divine Tiberus yet irradiates a power which is prosperity or adversity, life or death to his subjects to me hath he granted the privilege of an audience this day he is graciously minded to restore to thee the adalship of tiberius he is minded to restore to me the adalship of tiberius said agrippa with a mocking laugh what divine condescension what royal munificence thou art my guardian spirit princess nay now i am an earnest sweet one but for thee i should perchance by wandering among the disconsolate shades may the immortals avert the hour exclaimed cyprus growing pale but tell me truly my lord wouldst thou not rejoice to return to our own land we have wandered far of late would that we might find some quiet spot where we might abide with our children and where she paused a moment as if her thoughts were too painful for utterance "'slow tears gathering in her dark eyes. "'Dost thou not enjoy the splendors of Capre, sweet one? "'Nay, there was a time when I should scarce have dared to leave "'so fair a flower unguarded in any one of the twelve palaces of Tiberius. "'But the candle hath been well-nigh burnt out. "'I am minded to see what will happen "'when its last expiring flicker shall have disappeared.' Something more alluring than a paltry adelship of Tiberius may come my way then. I tell thee, I shall be a king. Aye, it will come to pass. What sayest thou, slave? Caius and Claudius are without? Admit them. We will have a merry night. Nay, princess, do not remove the light of thy countenance. I cannot remain longer, my lord. Bernice hath been ailing to-day. I must see her "'once again before I sleep. "'Best of wives and mothers, peace go with thee,' "'said Agrippa, rising and escorting the lady to the door, "'which led to her own apartments. "'She lingered yet a moment to whisper imploringly, "'Have a care, I beseech thee, my lord. "'Speak no word against the emperor, if he be dying. "'As thou sayest, he is yet alive to a breath of treason. "'I like not the face of the strange slave.' "'who attended thee to-night.' "'What Codrus? "'He was given me by Caius this day. "'Fear nothing, my princess. "'Our star is in the Ascendant,' "'replied Agrippa, kissing her hand.' "'The Princess Cyprus sighed "'as she flitted along the dimly lighted corridor. "'A premonition of coming evil was heavy upon her, "'the remembrance of past trials and dangers "'only serving to make more dark the uncertain future.' In truth, her position was such as to make the stoutest heart afraid. Married to the Asmonian Herod at an early age, herself a princess of the same house, she had suffered all the vicissitudes of a capricious fortune during the years of her married life. Expelled from the splendors of the imperial court because of his unparalleled excesses, Agrippa had dragged the unfortunate Cyprus through a series of debts and disgraces, culminating a few months since in his arrest for an enormous sum of money which he had borrowed from the treasury at Rome. In his despair, he had been about to take his own life, urging his unhappy wife to follow his example. Cyprus shuddered as the ghastly scene forced itself back upon her remembrance— she had finally succeeded in persuading him to abandon his purpose for the moment, then in tears and despair had sought the assistance of the governor of Alexandria. Not unmoved by her entreaties, the gallant Lysimachus had advanced to her on little better security than the smile of a beautiful woman, the goodly sum of 200,000 drachmae. Once more at liberty, Agrippa at the entreaty of Cyprus set sail for Picioli, where he was received with certain marks of favor by the aged Tiberius. One of the magnificent villas of Caprae had been placed at his disposal, with tactic permission to remain a guest of the emperor as long as it might please him. "'May the gods guard his incautious lips,' murmured the anxious wife, as the sounds of revelry from the banquet hall reached her from time to time." a word against yonder dying brute, and we are undone. Then her thoughts wandered to her children. Rising, she glided softly into the apartment where the two little maidens, Berenice and Merime, lay asleep. With all a mother's pride in their rosy loveliness, she moved lightly here and there, smoothing a crumpled pillow or drawing a stray coverlid over restless limbs. Passing on, she entered the adjoining chamber. Her heart leapt within her as she shaded the light from the sleeper's eyes with slender, tremulous fingers. My Agrippa, she murmured, looking down upon the handsome boy. Surely the pathway in life must be a happy one. Would that I knew how to pray for the future. At least I may implore that the gods will pour upon me all their hoarded wrath. I have already suffered, and little or much, all will soon be forgotten in the black night of the grave. But for thee, son of my heart, I must pray, Jehovah, spare thee. Secretly she vowed a sacrifice in the temple at Jerusalem, but the thought of the holy city, of the priests in their snowy robes, half terrified her. We are neither Jews nor Romans, she thought bitterly, for us, there is no God that cares. Of what use are sacrifices to Jehovah or to Jupiter? And with these dark thoughts for company, she returned once more to her lonely vigil. Left to himself in the banquet hall, Agrippa welcomed his guests with the hilarious abandon of a man who had already drunken too deeply. He commanded the slaves to bring more wine. I would drink to thee, son of Germanicus! he cried with a reckless laugh, because thou art to be, hold, growled Caius, scowling, forget the insane ravings of a witless fool, I have commanded that search be made for the man, if found, his treasonable tongue shall be cut from his head, what unhappy wit hath had the misfortune to offend thee, my Caius, inquired the third man, leaning forward to pluck an olive from the crystal dish before him, "'A mad soothsayer,' responded Caius briefly, "'who dared to speak a word "'against the majesty of the world in my hearing. "'If he be mad, why afflict him further? "'The gods have already smitten him.' Caius fixed his dull gray eyes on the speaker, while a malicious smile curled the corners of his lips. "'I shall cut out his tongue, most sapient Claudius, "'because it pleaseth me to behold blood.' Claudius shivered. He made no reply. Come, broke in Agrippa impatiently. Drink and forget, forget and drink. Hail to Bacchus, the god of pleasure. And he drained the cup, which the attentive slave at his elbow had just filled. There are no gods and no pleasures, said Caius sullenly. We only befool ourselves by thinking so. There be pleasures of the mind, began Claudius eagerly but caius interrupted him with a burst of loud laughter what canst thou know of the mind who wast born without one he cried the gods gave thee a body but even that is inferior to the body of the slave yonder again claudius was silent he seemed either unwilling or unable to answer the man who now lay back among his cushions with an expression of malignant enjoyment upon his pale face let him alone said agrippa in a low voice Poor Claudius, his own mother, hath no good word for him. But he is not without wit. He is even writing a history which would do credit to Livy himself. I give you my word for it. Yesterday I listened for an hour while he read to me. I advised him not to show it to the emperor. Tis too true to be pleasant reading. Writing history is he, said Caius with another loud laugh. Look at him now, he is going to sleep. That last bumper of Falernian was too much for him. Nay, for myself I shall make history. Tis labor worthy a witless slave to toil with the stylus. No one save a fool would attempt it. More wine, slave. Thou wilt indeed make history, my Caius, replied Agrippa confidently. Was it for naught that thou wast born, son of Germanicus, Rome's bravest soldier?' that thou didst first behold the light amid the clash of arms and the bray of trumpets that thou hast been reared amid all the magnificence of the court of tiberius the face of the man to whom these flattering words were addressed underwent a frightful change plain almost to ugliness at his best moments the countenance of caius now assumed such an expression of unbridled ferocity and hate "'that even his hardened companion shrank back. "'The pale skin grew ghastly. "'The gray eyes gleamed dully beneath the furrowed brow. "'The reddish hair, which but scantily covered the ill-shapen head, "'seemed to rise into bristles. "'Thou hast forgotten in thy enumeration of the blessings "'which the gods have bestowed upon me,' he said in a smothered voice. "'The fate of my father, my mother,' My sisters, my brothers. After a pause, he added with a reckless laugh, If I myself remember, 'tis only that I may glut myself with the blood of. But stay, I may no longer enjoy the pleasures of thy hospitable board. I have an appointment with Makro, which must not be broken. Come, thou dolt, thou adult, patent monstrosity, wake up and gathering up a handful of olive pits he discharged them full in the face of the unfortunate claudius agrippa half started up do not carry thy jests too far i beseech thee he said soothingly leave him to me i will send him away presently as thou wilt prince agrippa farewell with a leer of mock humility he bent before the couch of claudius who suddenly awakened by the shower of olive stones, set up, rubbing his eyes with the expression of a sulky child. Fare thee well also, Tiberius Claudius Drusus Caesar Gramanicus. thou art a prince of princes, the historian of all historians, the most amiable of an amiable and pious family. Nay, I will go with thee, my good nephew, since thou art come to thy proper senses, exclaimed Claudius, his broad face beaming with delight, and I will read to thee my history of the Roman wars this very night. Thou shalt see, my Caius, if it be not meet to amuse the leisure of our emperor, who should now delight to review the triumphs of his reign. Thou wilt read me thy history?" "'Nay, I will see thee choked with thy parchments first, growled Caius. "'But come, thy excellent wife will be chiding thee for thy absence.' "'Left to himself, Agrippa looked upon the empty hall disconsolately. "'His eyes fell upon the disordered table. "'Pah!' he exclaimed in a tone of dreary disgust. "'Caius is right after all. "'There are no gods and no pleasures.' "'Wilt thou not take a fresh flask of wine, my lord?' "'said Codrus humbly. "'Pah!' repeated Agrippa, with an impatient gesture. "'I am sick of wine.' "'He rose slowly and unsteadily to his feet. "'I will sleep,' he growled. "'And to-morrow, to-morrow, I will see the emperor. "'Galilee, Jerusalem, anything is better than this accursed island.' "'Codrus followed him to his chamber.' and deftly performed all the necessary offices. Agrippa, scarcely noticing that his usual attendant was missing, sank onto his couch, and almost immediately fell into a sodden slumber. The slave Codrus stood at his bedside, and stared at the handsome flushed face on its silken pillow. "'Tomorrow thou wilt see the emperor,' he said scornfully. "'Tomorrow thou wilt again drink.' and again be drunken, and I shall be thy slave. He stooped, and lifting the nerveless hand of the sleeper, drew from it softly the signet ring of the Herods. Tomorrow, he repeated with a low laugh, tomorrow thou shalt again remember that there are no gods and no pleasures. End of chapter four.